You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. You're listening to Stage Door Podcast, the podcast celebrating theatre and creativity from onstage mishaps to career-defining moments. Hosted by thespians, myself, Tori, and co-host Eliza. Fortnightly, we will bring you industry professional guests, deep dives, and more. Hello friends and welcome back to Stage Door Podcast for another one of our entertaining, informative and occasionally opinionated deep dives. And for the first time in a while, we are all together. We have myself, Tori and resident theatre trivia buff Gareth Isaac in the house. Hello mates, lovely to be back. And by in the house we mean in a hotel in Western Australia. Look, we're all, we're spread. We're spread far and wide. We are. On this podcast. We've got Sydney, Brisbane, and Perth. It's fine. Yes, we're doing all right. We're operating on three time zones and three brain cells. Let's go. Yeah, that was, that was a fun, I, I loved that you guys organized that because I looked at the two, three time zones and went, mm, I'm going to see if somebody <laughs> else wants to organize that before I try to, because I can never get it right. So. Time is just made up by big clock to sell watches. Exactly. So how are you enjoying Perth though? Is I fun? am. I'm having the time of my life over here. We're in our last three weeks of Mary Poppins as of today over at the Crown Theatre and Woo. we're going into the nine show week. Bit of chaos, but always happy to just put on the extra one for the school holidays. I think by the time this is out, you'll be finished. Oh yes, I'll be I'll be jobless for a little bit. Just for just for a little bit, but it's been announced now, so we it get has. to say that you're in Greece. Yes, we can finally talk about the fact I'm going to be Eugene in the new Australian tour of Greece. I love it. It's so exciting. It's it's a lot of fun. I didn't think at my age that I'd be doing Greece for the fourth time in my life, but you know what? At least I'm getting paid this time. Yeah, exactly. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, and you're doing it with Annalise, who um, because uh, I when I did Greece at uni, Annalise played. Sandy and now is yeah. Sandy in the Greece tour. I think it's amazing. I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be incredible. I heard nothing but good things about Annalise's performance, so I can't wait to work with her. She's amazing and just like a really genuine human being. And I think that's really cool. I, I think you need good human beings in the rehearsal room. So it's nice to see someone so generous in a leading role. It's just so fun. Yeah. yeah. And yourself. Come I was going to say, good people in a rehearsal room does not cover me. I'm terrible. Why? No, surely not. Yeah, no, he's pretty bad. Don't hire him. Yeah, I'm a bit of a diva. (laughs) Well, we are talking about jukebox musicals today, which is going to be really, really, really fun. But before we get started, we would like to acknowledge that I'm on Turrible land. I am on Wujuk Noongar land. And I'm on Gadigal land, the traditional custodians of the land on which we work, live and record. And we recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Now, without further ado, let's kick off this new deep dive. Coming off the back of our look at the musical revival, we decided to slide into an adjacent topic that both unites and divides theatre goers worldwide, the jukebox musical. Now, for the purpose of our deep dive, we need to stick to a single definition of what a jukebox musical is. We're sticking to the definition of a musical or movie musical with no original musical compositions, instead relying on the pre-written materials for one or more composers. 
So while this does rule out shows like Crazy for You and 42nd Street, it does grant us a little more clarity into where the term originated and how to track it historically. The very first production that falls under the modern definition of jukebox musical is The Beggar's Opera from 1728. This work was the first of what would become known as the ballad operas, productions utilising common folk songs, broadsheet ballads, operatic arias and church hymns of the day to tell an original story. The first use of the actual term jukebox musical appears to have been printed in a review of the 1962 musical Do Re Mi. However, this show was about a man who sold jukeboxes, so the term is far more literal than descriptive. The most common form of jukebox musical for many years was the bio musical, a show written to tell the story of the composer or composers, utilising their own songs as theatrical vehicles. These shows included Leader of the Pack telling the story of Ellie Greenwich and Jeff Barry, and Buddy, the Buddy Holly story, telling, funnily enough, the story of Buddy Holly. However, for modern audiences, the definitive jukebox musical came in 1999, when Mamma Mia premiered, built entirely around the music of ABBA. The jukebox musical proves incredibly popular in Australia today, with four professionally produced shows currently touring the country. Elvis, A Musical Revolution, Moulin Rouge, and Mamma Mia all currently call Melbourne home. And And Juliet is set to land in Perth this December after finishing its run in Singapore. It's wild. Yeah, that, that's nuts to me. When I was writing this down, I was like, there are so many jukebox musicals happening like locally and internationally at the moment. And I want to say we've all seen Mamma Mia this most recent time around. I actually haven't. Yes. Our tours have been like uh... ships in the night. Yes, okay. Well, I've seen it twice. I think Eliza's seen it once. Yes, I saw it uh, a week and a half ago in Brisbane. <gasps> so um, good. And that was thrilling because the good old Chelsea Dawson was in the house. Hey. And Woo! Yeah. And then uh, very sadly, I was hoping to make Chelsea's uh, debut as Sophie, but unfortunately uh, I got sick, which was really sad. But I did watch her in the ensemble and she was just phenomenal. I kept my eyes, kept going to her all the time. And yeah, I I actually, okay, Mamma Mia is a really polarizing musical for me personally. So I was really interested to go and watch this production because I've only ever seen pro-am productions or amateur theater productions. And when I went and watched the professional one, I was I was definitely ready with my opinions already formed, but a lot of them actually change because I don't know about you guys, I find Mamma Mia is a really tricky one if it's not, uh, if the text isn't handled correctly. Yeah, it's definitely, so I saw it twice by accident. This is kind of a come from away incident where I- did you just walk I... into the theatre <laughs> randomly? What do you mean by, ac- how do you see Mamma Mia accidentally? I booked tickets for myself and my mum for her birthday at the beginning of the year and like maybe two weeks after I booked these tickets <laughs> we got sent opening night tickets for Mamma Mia and I was like ah and I was literally oh. seeing it like a week apart and I was like oh well at least it's a fun show I was like at least it's a fun show but it ended up being so much better than I anticipated because similarly to Eliza I've only ever seen I think I've seen one like a community production of it many, many years ago and the movies. So I was really keen to see what it was like on stage and it exceeded expectation. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Mamma Mia the movie. I've never seen it live. I've just never had the opportunity. In 2017, 2018, I was in another show at the time and we just 
kept crossing over. Same problem with Beautiful, another fantastic jukebox mm. that I just never got to see because I was doing other things at the time. I love Mamma Mia because at its core, it implies that they either A, live in a world where the songs of ABBA do not exist and all of these songs are happening organically, or B, this entire Greek island just happens to have like choreography classes of a night or something. <laughs> voulez-vous. <laughs> yeah, voulez-vous, aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's also very funny to me that the end of the show, the end of Mamma Mia, similar to a lot of jukebox musicals, They decide that the crux of the story doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter who Sophie's real dad is. Spoilers for, you know, 1999. Big spoiler alert. (laughs) I I was actually really funny. I was, we were sitting in the the theatre with a couple of uni friends. And, uh, you know, the end of that show, I think it's the best bows possibly in musical theatre because it forces you to give them a standing ovation. Uh. Come on, like four different songs and then by the end they're like even the first like when you're you know the first song comes out and you're like yeah like congratulations everyone and then by the end everyone is just dancing so hard by the end you leave feeling so good and I I just loved that we were like yeah it forces you to stand and I kind of love that I have something similar to put in for this uh have either of you managed to see Anne Juliet yet no I haven't Anne Juliet has a a similar moment at the end of the show where somehow you all find yourselves on your feet and then it's like, hey, while you're up here, keep standing while we do our bows. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Come I think now. it's it's certainly one way to get a standing ovation every night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we won't, we won't talk, we'll talk about Angelia, but we won't talk too much because obviously it is a oh, much newer it, show. Yeah, it's so fresh. Want I, don't want, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone on that show. you you got to get in and see it for yourselves. It sounds phenomenal. Obviously, I've literally seen almost nothing. I think all I have seen, um, you know, on the good old-fashioned TikTok is the opening, not the opening, like the, the pre-show. Um, the pre-show, all of the cast being on stage at the beginning of the show, which I think is super fun. I love that vibe for a show. It just makes it feel very welcoming. And also, I often see bows, specifically of the Australian cast, which I which I love. But I think something important to talk about with jukeboxes, um, and this is something that one of our fabulous listeners brought to my attention a while ago, um, Jake, which is to chat about how jukebox musicals are a great like gateway drug into music theatre, because with jukebox musicals you're going in generally. There are far I think I think it's one of the reasons why we get so many of them in Australia because audiences know the music and therefore it's much easier to go when you already know the music like Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia is always going to sell well because everyone knows. If you don't like ABBA, well you're not going to go. But I would say like. of people enjoy having a bit of a boogie to ABBA. And it then leads really well onto getting people into music theatre in general. I completely agree. Jukeboxes are a great way to dive in when you're not familiar with musical theatre in general. I mean, let's look at the most accessible form of jukebox musical, the movie musical. How many people have seen, like, Singing in the Rain or a Disney animated film. Like, those are, by definition, musical theatre. Singing in the Rain specifically is a jukebox musical. All the music is written by Arthur Freed and beautiful compositions. I used to sing all that in my ragtime orchestra in my 20s. But it was just a perfect way to get someone into understanding, hey, 
this is the world we're in. People are going to start singing at you and you're going to have to deal with that for a little bit if you want the full emotional ride. Which I guess is kind of like when you look at things like The Lion King, in a sense, is a jukebox musical loosely, which is such a great way. Like, I know that for me, I think Lion King was the first musical I ever saw. And obviously we went to see it because we loved the movie. And this was many, many, many years ago now. Exactly. I'll I'll say it's... Only quote-unquote technically a jukebox musical because it has Tim Rice and Elton John behind the wheel. But all those songs were written specifically for the musical, so it, I, mm. I, I guess that's the same as saying, yeah, that there's, there's balance to be had here. Yeah, it's a really tricky a kind of dynamic, you know, and I think as well it just gives people music in a different way. I mean, you think, this is really bad, but all I'm thinking is trolls and how much like- I was going to bring up trolls. Right, little kids go crazy for that music, (laughs) but it's like music that's not like, it wasn't as popular right now in this current moment, but it really brings it back in. Like things like Pitch Perfect, that's like brought a bunch of new music back to the common ground. And it was just, it's really- fun when you see those ones because I don't know movie musicals that are jukebox musicals I feel like sit differently for me than musicals that sit in the jukebox category because especially like there can be some flops and some wins but I love an animated jukebox musical movie I think that is where it's at its peak Yes, I think that works better than a live-action movie jukebox musical. Like, let's look at Amazon's Cinderella from 2021. Commercial critical failure. It was awful, terrible, terrible, I will say that, on with my chest till the day I die. <laughs> then you look at stuff like Sing and Sing 2. Those are just random cartoon animals going on basically Australia's Got Talent and belting out stuff. Like... Yeah. Seth MacFarlane, the family guy dude, is a tiny mouse who just belts out My Way by Frank Sinatra. That's funny because it is in an unrealistic world. I think yeah. the minute you slap someone with flesh and blood in there and expect us to appreciate a premise of them going through an emotional journey, but she's singing part of the rhythm nation, like, we're, we're not interested. <laughs> but even, I think, with some musicals, like with some jukebox musicals on stage, that still happens. I love Moulin Rouge very much. Thoroughly enjoy it. But there are a couple of songs in Moulin Rouge that for me completely took me out of it because I was like, some of them worked really well because there was this um, like, ah, Lord's song. Oh, what is it? Royals. Like when yes. um when he starts singing it, I think it's Toulouse starts singing it. It is, yeah. And it's funny and it works really well. But there are a couple of other moments in the show for me where there were songs that would come out and I was like, I know this is a serious moment, but I'm really struggling to take it seriously right now purely Wait. based off of the song. Wait, Tori, are you telling me that possibly having Satine's I Am song be Firework by Katy Perry was possibly a bad choice? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> it's not terrible. And look, no, I will it's, say, it, and they everyone deliver. I've seen, yeah, and everyone I've seen do it because I've seen Olinta and the amazing understudy Patrice were both amazing and so compelling in the song. And I felt so moved by them, not the song. The song I was like, I get the choice. I do. Mm. But also, mm, <laughs> mm, I kind mm. of got quite... There was a, just a couple of moments in Moulin Rouge where I was like, 
you're really in it and you're really in the world and then a certain song comes on you're like "Ah, ah." Mm, just pulled me right out oh no i think it's as well because when you have like a jukebox musical you have to like take the songs verbatim for what they are and usually they don't change the words and i think sometimes that can be hard and take you out of it because the words don't necessarily relate fully to the plot like it does loosely sometimes or maybe there's like part of the song that really relates to the character and what they're going through but then the other half of the song doesn't quite match it Mm. and it can be really um jarring and i think actually you know what i i think one musical that isn't a jukebox musical but it does have jukebox in it is actually muriel's wedding i think they do a good job of like you know the funniness of like having it's the mamma mia team and then they're singing they're having abba songs within it but um it aids in the the story and the plot yeah. and it drives it, it's part of which it. is really good. Yeah, but it's but it's hard because that one also has a lot of original music, mostly original music. So, yeah, but it, yeah. But it integrates it really seamlessly into mm. the story. Whereas I find like Moulin Rouge and even Mamma Mia, you know, they break out into these songs that you already know so well that. I think often they do it quite seamlessly and it works really well, but sometimes you're just there like, we're on a Greek island and everybody's and everybody's singing Dancing Queen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the most egregious example of that is uh, the use of Chikikita in Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. they're singing at the bathroom door. Chikikita, tell me what's wrong. You have never called her that in your life. What do you mean? No, I love that. I think it works so well. (laughs) I love it because it just feels like in that moment, for me, what that moment feels like is they've taken a song that they used to sing as Donna and the Dynamos and they're like, this was like a little pick-me-up. So we'll just, we'll sing that and maybe that will get her in the mood. I don't take it as them calling her Chikatita. That is implied context rather than actually giving us backstory though. Like, yeah, you're expected to make a leap of logic there. That just could be my brain doing that though. I, I love it. That was one of my favourite numbers in the show. But also, can we just settle this? Chikatita? Chikatita. That's what that's what Gareth said. Okay, well, I'm wrong on two counts then. <laughs> I think it's Chikatita. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Chikatita, in my defence, in my defence, <laughs> I am a moron. <laughs> uh, you know, there's no defence there when it comes to Ava. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need to do better. I need to do the training. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> but actually, I would say one of my favourite musicals is actually a bio musical which I don't know bio musicals are really interesting because they tell the story of someone's life and have music to it and I find that's impactful and powerful because it's seamlessly integrated and it feels like they're telling their life story so for me it's like definitely Carol King musical mm-hmm. is like yeah yeah beautiful is my tier. is my favorite jukebox musical yeah. that beautiful exists. is the jukebox musical that every other jukebox musical should strive to be it is the pinnacle mm-hmm. for yeah. me mm-hmm. it is yeah no matter what so production good. you see of it it's just so good you yeah. know like the story it's so well written and so well crafted yeah, and, absolutely. And that does bring the question then, what makes Beautiful so good when compared to other jukebox musicals? Like, for example, uh, Once Upon a One More Time, which just closed <laughs> on Broadway, which <laughs> was the Britney Spears jukebox musical. Uh, so w- There was a Britney Spears jukebox musical? There was. Musical? It was yeah. What was it? It was, Dis- it was Princesses. 
yes, trying to it was rescue a, themselves? Yeah, it what? was a large group yeah. of... I, I read the premise this morning when I was going through the yeah. reviews for it. It's a large number of princesses doing like a fairy tale book club of their own stories. And then the fairy godmother introduces them to feminist literature. Oh, I love it. And it's all to Britney Spears. Yeah, and it's all to Britney Spears. Like having Prince Charming uh, sing to Snow White and Cinderella both, oops, I did it again. I think that's very fucking funny. Yeah. I like that. But apparently, dramaturgically, the book just wasn't where it needed to be for a Broadway show. And I, I think that's the key here. Yeah, I think I think it needs to have a really good through line and it needs to be a really good, interesting story. Like I think Carol King, it has so many moments in it because obviously this is based off someone's life. And someone that has won so many awards and has so much accolade behind them. And so, like, and, like, their story is still continuing as well, which I think is so important. But I find that with Beautiful, you're set in the time that everything is taking place. And it's a really compelling story about Carol King and how she got to where she is and all, like, the trials and tribulations that she had along the way. Um, and it's very honest as well, which I think is really, it doesn't sugarcoat anything. I don't think, obviously we don't, we've not lived her life, therefore you can never know 100%, but it feels really honest and raw. And all of, I think also it's really important. And I'm not saying that any of the jukebox musicals, uh, the artists are not good because I think all of them mm. are really good, especially if, you know, when you look at Britney Spears, it, you know, she's a pop classic. As a musical, I'm personally unsure, but I think Carole King's music is, you you can go on such a journey with it. I agree. I actually think a lot of it comes down to how the original music was written, because if the original music, uh, the lyrics in the original music, and that's more what I'm referring to, don't uh, tell the story, then you just disconnect from it. And Carole King wrote a lot about her life and and emotions and what she was feeling and there was a couple of really fun up tune songs but I really like when they use songs so for instance there's like a really popular song but it doesn't quite fit the narrative but then they use a performative technique such as like oh this was when this group sung that song and then they just do it like it's in original intention and it's, it's things like Singing in the Rain when they, they do that. It's like the performance. And I find that's where it becomes its most successful when it knows what songs it needs to highlight for the story and which songs are just performative. And, I don't know, fitting in that kind of performative narrative in the shows generally works best, like Chikatita, like, hey, this is an old song we used to sing, that kind of vibe. And the Dynamos, you know, when they come out and they're doing the songs that they used to perform in their tribute act, that serves those songs really well because that's what they're designed to do. They're not designed to be these massive ballad numbers that we're going to change and we're going to make them all story-based, you know? Hmm. And I agree. Uh, Beautiful you were mentioning the lyrics of King's songs relating to each moment in her life. This is one of my favourite jukebox musicals, does this really well, Leader of the Pack. I have such a soft spot for this show. I mentioned it earlier in our opening spiel. It is the story of Ellie Greenwich, who, if you don't know the name, you would know her music. You would know, uh, be my, be my baby. You'd know, do a dum diddy do. Like, she was half of uh, Barry and Greenwich, who 
produced all of these incredible songs in the 60s and 70s and onwards and onwards. Her musical uses all of the songs that she wrote and puts it in the context of, cool, we are writing these and recording these as we are living out our lives. And there is a beautiful, melancholic, like, uh, juxtaposition of watching her break down to the tune of I Can Hear Music by the Beach Boys. Like, the group is happily singing this song as the man she loves is walking out of her life again. And, (sighs) yeah, I cannot state enough how much I love dramatic juxtaposition, especially in the case of a bio-musical, when someone is writing all these beautiful, happy, poppy, like, beautiful... I say beautiful all the time. That's the wrong show. This is the leader of the pack. Hey, hey. (laughs) Yeah, all of this music that was designed to make people feel good while they were essentially having the worst time of their life. That, I think, is powerful and speaks more truth to the person than, say, sugarcoating. This is my issue with biomusicals. More often than not, they are written at the time when their subject is still alive. So the story isn't over yet. So I don't think we can find out any, like, actual dramatic uh, revelations. It sounds gossipy of me to say. Mm. But I don't think the story can be truly told while its subject is sitting out in the audience watching it. Or in Ellie Greenwich's case, being on stage for the premiere. (laughs) Yeah. I think it really depends on the subject and who it's about and to what extent they're willing to air what might be their dirty laundry. Like, I think beautiful again like we were saying before we can never know 100 percent, but i feel like there were moments where uh she shines herself in like a, a, a less than flattering light um but does it in it's such a wonderful way of just the honesty of her life and what you were saying before about um these really beautiful songs coming at really like it's hard times like you know natural woman in Beautiful comes, I believe, as they're getting a divorce or they're separating. And yeah. it's such a beautiful, beautiful song coming at such a heartbreaking time. And that's what I think. And for me, I think Once Upon a One More Time, whilst I'm sure the musically it was really fun. And the story, I think, is a fun idea. But I think you've also got a lot of other shows doing similar things. I cannot remember for the life of me what the show is, but I know... Just prior to the second lot of COVID lockdowns in New York, there was another fairy tale esque musical happening. Mm. Um, I cannot remember the name of. And I think you've got to pick and choose your what jukebox musicals you're doing at particular times, um, because there are so many happening right now that just mm. adding another one. It, it's just another one. I just realised I forgot to mention Tina is also playing in Sydney. Yeah, oh, I was about to say, yeah, Tina Turner the musical. So we've got five. Five musicals, it's crazy. I forgot about Tina, I'm so sorry, guys. Sorry to the Tina cast, we love you. We do, we love you guys. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but it's got I've incredible heard reviews. so many wonderful things about it, because when it was originally announced, I was excited, but I was also like, an interesting choice, but sure, like, great. Yeah, I saw their performance at the NRL Grand Final last night. It was incredible. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't get to see the final last night, but that's probably just because I'm not a football person. I don't watch sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like... Mm, Except women's soccer. Person. I did watch women's soccer this year because... In I my defence, the sport was on in the green room at the theatre. 
Ah, sport ball. Sport. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, look. The only thing I was gonna say on uh, on finishing off that sort of subject was that I feel like as well the performers you have in the roles of any jukebox musical and how they treat the text and how they build relationships off the text is what is utmostly important. I find that um, just because I've seen a few versions as an example, Mamma Mia, I know we've talked a lot about that, but Mamma Mia, I've seen it where they don't connect as a cast and and it seems really disjointed and then the songs just don't seem to flow. But then obviously seeing the recent uh, production, they had beautiful moments where they really made them their own and they used the language in new ways. They weren't trying to be like the movie. They were doing their own performance of the roles. And I find that's more interesting. And when they're really invested in the text and making their own interpretations of that, that's where it becomes powerful and it becomes a really good musical. So realistically, probably any, most jukebox musicals could be made even better by who you cast and how they, and who who's the director and what they bring to the table that makes it different and think about it in a different way than what's been done before. I agree. All right, friends, we find ourselves at the midpoint of the record and as per tradition for Stage Door... I've brought a game. Ah. Oh, hope you, hope you all are ready for this one. No. I am not. Oh, you should be. This one, friends, is a buzz-in game. So, I am going to say the name of a jukebox musical. And one of you will have to buzz in and tell me what composer or band or person has produced the music for this musical. I'm actually terrible at this stuff. I'm going to fail so much. (laughs) Me too. Oh, no, no, no. Like, I've given you some easy ones. I've thrown some very basic ones in there. I've given some that are a a little bit tougher. But we'll be playing... I'll give you five. And the first one to get majority wins, and I have some, like, tiebreakers here. Uh, Your buzz is your name. I'll give you a three, two, one. Okay. Oh, Oh my God, this is so fun. Okay. Friends, your first musical, first jukebox musical, Mm. American Idiot. Three, two, one. Tori. Tori got in first. I I don't know. Oh, Green Day? Yes, it's Green Day. (laughs) Okay. My brain was like, what is it? What is it? It's Green Day. I was like, I don't remember what you've asked for. I'm just going to say Green Day and hope that that was what you actually asked for. Yes, we're looking for the person or persons who supplied the music. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. That's one point to Tori. Our next one. Okay. Bat Out of Hell. Three, two, one. Tori. (laughs) I don't know what it is. Meatloaf. Yes, it is Meatloaf. Congratulations. Because my dad's like a big Meatloaf person. Okay. I was like, I've never heard of it. I mean, I've heard of it, but... That's two nothing, Tory. All right, we're moving on to a slightly tougher one now. Viva Forever. Three, two, one. I have literally no clue. I've never heard of that musical in my whole life. Tori. Tori. Spice Girls? Correct. No, there's a Spice Girls 
Jukebox musical? All I could think of was Viva Forever. I'm there is ready. a Spice Girls jukebox musical written by Dawn French. That would be brilliant. Is it any good? Has anyone seen it? I couldn't tell you. Oh, okay. Now I need to go investigate that. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't feel so bad about getting that one wrong because I didn't know it, you know? Sorry, uh, not Dawn French. Jennifer Saunders. I always get them confused. Oh. Oh, that's very different. I mean, it doesn't change the fact that you didn't get it. Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to get it anyway. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, we'll do the remaining two questions. Yes. Please, just for me. Yes. I would love to one. see if I can get five for five. I mean, we'll see what we can do. Okay. Our next musical, Escape to Margaritaville. Oh. Three, two, one. Oh, okay. I know the musical, but I can't remember who it's based off because I've only loosely heard about it. So I'm not sure. So is, is, that, oh. a bu- is that a buzz out from both of you? Yeah. Oh, I, I know I so. of the show. I've never listened to it. I don't know who yeah. it's like. It's Jimmy Buffett. Oh, I don't know who Jimmy Buffett is. Oh my god, you two are so young. I know, this is what I mean. I'm like, I mean, I know the name. It's five o'clock somewhere. Margaritaville, come on. Oh, no. It's not ringing any bells. He also passed away recently, so, you know, rest in peace, you beautiful island boy. All right, our last one. Let's keep it super easy. One at least. The Boy from Oz. Three, two, one. Tori? <laughs> oh my Tori, okay. <laughs> you don't actually know. I wanna say like Oh I oh, Eliza, I know who it is. Can I say it? It's it's Peter Allen. Peter yes, Allen. Yes, Eliza oh. got it. Eliza got Thank it. You. As soon as you said it, I was like, I see. I was like, wait a second, this is a bio one. This is a bio musical. It's Peter Allen. How do you not know the boy from Oz? Come on! I, yeah, sorry, that was mine. Mind blank, guys. Look, I have never listened. It is six to o'clock, it. you know. Uh, I have no excuse, really. I have zero right. excuse. I'm just tired, you know. Fair enough. Well, the wheels that is look. Three if it was better, maybe I knew, would know it. Don't you? Oh. <laughs> I'm you don't know the boy from. I mean, I I'm going to swear on this podcast. What? How fucking dare you? <laughs> Oh my god! I know of it. The Boy from Oz is a fantastic musical. It tells a beautiful story. It features Liza Minnelli perfectly, and all of Peter Allen's work. Tenderfield Sadler has never been done so dramatically beautifully. Shut up! Exactly. No. I mean, I was just shooting shit, but I'm tempted to take a point away from you. (laughs) I mean, I still win. Let's do a (laughs) tiebreaker. I would still be on two and you would still be on one. That one was worth two, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. That brings us to the end of the game. Tori has taken it, although has tainted their victory by talking (laughs) shit. Sorry, I'm sure it is wonderful. I literally have never seen it, nor have I ever listened to it. So I just know that it exists. It's really good. (laughs) I was just thinking while we were doing that game, isn't... um, Correct me if I'm wrong, because I actually have not... I didn't get to see this when it came here. Is Jagged Little Pill a jukebox musical? Yeah, it Yes, is. it is. It's entirely based so. on the Alanis, Alanis Morissette, Morissette album of the same name. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I thought that. And that one's really good uh, from what I've heard, and I feel like the integration's really awesome. So it's cool. I like that that one's more modern and kind of a darker it, twist, because sometimes they're a bit light. It's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I would agree, interesting. 
Yeah, I like what they did with it. And I like the story it told. There was, for me personally, there was too many stories happening at once for it to feel very streamlined. It felt very uh, chip-chop all over the place. There were a lot of issues that are dealt with within the show, That some of which I felt were dealt with really well, some of which not as seamlessly. Um, I think it's a great use of the music mm. in the show. It's used really well. It's used in kind of... Uh, that more traditional, what I would say, music theatre, like, these are the things that are happening in my head, so they're going to come out of my mouth, you know? Mm. I, I, I would agree. Uh, it is a bit of an issue soup show. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. the issues are present, they are being addressed, but it's a bit soupy, it's a little thin on the surface, you know? Like, we weren't able to dive in and resolve everything within the two, two and a half hours we had with this with this show. The music... Fantastic. And I say that because I love Alanis Morissette. I think what they did with Ironic, very funny by pointing out that nothing yeah. in there is actual dramatic irony. Like, they would stop every line and say, hey, that, that's not it. That is also not yeah. it. You are, you are not describing irony. Please stop. Yeah. That was very funny to me. And their version of You Live, You Learn, great. Uh, head over feet, phenomenal. But this does bring back the issue that we brought up earlier, that a lot of jukebox musicals will not succeed considering Mm. the music is great, but the interpolation of the text and the book just isn't there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I feel like a story was being told with Jagged Little Pill that potentially Mm -hmm. could have been told just as a play, and that would have given so much more space for the issues to have been actually resolved. Oh, so it's almost like they're competing. Like the music was yes. competing with the story and it was like hard to, like there wasn't enough time almost for both. Yes. Mm. And I think that there are certainly shows where that's kind of the point. So like when you look at things like Girl from the North Country, which it was described to us in an interview that we did for Girl from the North Country as honey and vinegar. Like the script was honey and the music was vinegar. They were not meant to work hand in hand they were kind of juxtaposing Mm -hmm. forces but i feel like if that's not your intention then they need to be more seamlessly cohesive and need to kind of lend to each other to tell the story which i think is one of the reasons why mamma mia works so well because it's this mix of donna and the dino singing a song from their set from back when they used to perform and you know it there are kind of reasons for everything even though some of them are um slipping through my fingers as this beautiful moment um between mother and daughter uh, there are moments that work so so well um and then i feel like you have other times when things just you like understand what they're trying to do but unfortunately the song and the text have not really migrated together do you mean well. do you mean meshed? Well, because, because, sure. because I don't know mi- what migrated I meant. implies that they're traveling for the winter. Yeah, well, look, yeah. I don't know what uh, exactly I was trying to say. What I was trying to say is they just haven't like yeah meshed. Mm. the The stories of both are kind of not quite meeting. Yeah, well, it's it's that old Sondheim quote where content dictates form, and I think when you are approaching one specific artist's music or one specific person's writing and trying to base a show around them, that content must dictate the form around it. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, Mm -hmm. Mamma Mia, the book and the dialogue is written in a way 
that complements the music that is to follow. It allows you to build up to this journey and reach a point where someone is about to sing something and be a different person at the end of the song than they were at the beginning. And mm. sometimes that doesn't happen in a jukebox because when you're given a hammer, everything looks like a nail, am I right? Mm, yeah. Yeah, and I will give credit to Jagged Little Pill. That is something that I think they did really well when we finally got up to You Ought to Know. Like, they built that journey really yeah. well. Yes. yes. That was... That song slaps. Oh. Mm. I've only heard the recording. Obviously, I haven't seen the show, but it really slaps. It's one of the songs that, like, gets me going. I'm like, yes, yes, mm-hmm. I can listen to that for days. Yes, yeah. the, the, the anthem of every dumped person screaming in their car for the last 30 years. Yes. Incredible work. Yes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I guess, like, kind of to wrap it up, I feel like we've touched on so many incredible jukebox musicals we've also kind of talked about I mean we're we're talking about what makes the musical not the performances of the musical just putting that out there um you know objectively you can go and see a show and the performances are just amazing within that but talking about the book and the lyrics they are a separate thing um but on that note what is everyone's favorite jukebox musical? I feel like we've all already kind of answered this a little bit. Mine's Beautiful by Carol King. I think that is the best jukebox musical. It is not my favorite. Ooh, okay. Yeah, mine is a controversial pick. It is the 2006 movie musical Across the Universe, directed by Julie Taymor. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, it is. I've never seen this. It's a Beatles movie musical. Evan Rachel Wood features in it. Her rendition of Blackbird breaks my heart every time I hear it because she's singing it to her her brother uh, who'd just come back from Vietnam and is suffering PTSD and they're just sitting on this beach watching the tide roll and she's just singing to him to help him feel better. It is possibly one of the most visually stunning films I've ever seen. The way the lives of the six main characters all interweave through the Beatles' music. Like, oh, it is so stunning and moving. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Mm, What I meant to say, by the way, was actually, because I realised we've already talked about our favourite musicals, what I meant to say was, what is your favorite song from a jukebox musical? Ah. Oh. That's what I meant to say. Ooh. Well, then. I think that one's I, really hard. I mean, I kind of answered already. Blackbird from Across the Universe. Oh, within Beautiful. I need to, I need to quickly look at the tracks because I'm, my brain is just literally going through every song. There's a song actually in Mamma Mia that really, every time, I don't know, it just gets me going and I just like love it, but it's really random. It's the one that starts Act 2. What's it called again? <laughs> Forgot. Um, Mamma Mia. Uh, yeah, wait, I need to. Oh, um, the like nightmare song? Yes, the nightmare song. I love it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just really love it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to yuck your yums. I know, it's weird. It's a, it's a weird one to have as like your one of your favorites. I mean, I do love Vulevu, you know, like. We're out there having a good time. I, I like that uh, the minute we bring up favourite songs, the two of you are like, what's my favourite song called? I Well, this is the thing. Okay, I don't know if this is a thing for people, but, like, I don't remember the name of the song. I'm just not that kind of person. I remember the lyrics and how it sounds, so it's in my head. 
but I don't usually know the like specific song title of the song. It's always been something that I've been really bad at. So whenever we do these lyric challenges, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, I've got to remember what they are. <laughs> oh, I just God, I remember like they they play in my head, but they don't title yeah. in my head. Yeah, Isn't see, I, mean? I love so many songs in Beautiful. I think one of my favourites, though, and it's probably kind of similar to the Nightmare song, it's a bit of a random choice, but 1650 Broadway Melody. Um, okay. Medley, sorry. Um, it's where... You know, you're introduced to the um, recording studio where they've gone to do like a music for advertising kind of idea where Carol King's actually writing for other people rather than for her to be singing songs. Um, and I feel like it really sets you in the time and you get to hear all these like really iconic like jingles and songs that you didn't really know were like part of that world. And I really love that. I find that it's. It's such a great way of showcasing everyone in the cast as well. Yeah, that, that is a really good number, actually. I do love that one. I also love the finale one. Okay, this is what I mean. I can't remember the name of it. Um, I got to get up every morning. What's it? Come on, it's I coming to my head. move. Yes, that one. Oh, wait. No, that's not it. Is it? No, it's not. Um, oh, beautiful! Face and shot. Yeah, beautiful. There you go. See, see. Oh, the love in your heart. Oh, oh it's just like it just. You're gonna fight. Yes, you will. Piece to resist on. I gotta also, say, it, it's found... beautiful to sit over here and watch you two like exist in a codependent friendship. It's it's really lovely. <laughs> and I and I must say, I must say, it's been so wonderful doing another deep dive with both of you at the same time. And it's our last one of the year. I know, How right? Wild. <sighs> That's crazy. It's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy year. Mm -hmm. Oh, my Lord. And so much has happened. And, like, it's been really cool as well. Like, seeing, you know, you've been in Mamma Mia. No, you've not been in Mamma Mia. I most definitely have not. You know? uh, (laughs) Get those dancing legs out, (laughs) Gareth. You'll be able to see my dancing legs in Greece. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Which we did do a deep dive talking about Greece, which is really funny. I find it um, hilarious whenever we do a show, but then we've like talked about it in the past and oh, we yes. have like opinions. And those change. Honestly, the opinions that you might have today about any of the jukebox mm. musicals we talked about change when you see a production yeah. or you're in a production or yeah. um, you see a performance that really moves you. Things can change and they ebb and flow. And so it's yeah. it's always really fun to talk to you about this because you also have very different opinions which i i rate highly i think they're really fun (laughs) (laughs) fun is a good word to describe it i think jukebox jukebox musicals are the success of them are so dependent on the content and the music but also what makes or breaks a jukebox musical the people that actually perform in it I agree. Mm-hmm. And what make it entertaining. Every jukebox I've ever seen has had an incredible cast. I will just say that mm-hmm. immediately. Like, this, yeah. they're so fucking good. Yeah. And how good is the Australian cast? I mean, we have all of the incredible musicals on right now. So if you're listening and you really want to go and see a jukebox musical now, you've got five of them to choose from. <laughs> so <laughs> go and pick. see them because... Yeah. Take your pick, and and those the performers in each and every single one of them give it their all, and they're all incredible, and couldn't speak highly enough about them. So they are what make the show. 
Exactly. So you got to go and watch. I feel like no matter your opinions about a show, hence my opinions about Mamma Mia have changed completely from show to show when I've watched it. You just got to go in open-minded and uh, learn something new and take on whatever performance is given to you. And remember, a jukebox musical is always going to be fun. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's music that you know. So you know you're going to know what's happening as well. Even if you don't necessarily understand the plot of the story, you're going to know the music. And that's, I think, always so fun when you can go into a show and you already know what the music is. Similarly, like, uh, Rocky Horror is not a jukebox musical, but you go in, you know the music from Rocky Horror. You know, like, at least 60% of the music. And that's part of the fun of it. So go see. There are so many phenomenal, phenomenal jukebox musicals happening around Australia right now and are coming to Australia again shortly with Anne Juliet. Please make sure that you go and you book tickets. And of course, make sure you book tickets to see Greece when it comes uh, at the beginning of next year, end of this year, end of this year. Yes, tickets are already on sale for our Melbourne and Sydney seasons. Why? This is crazy. We are going to, Tori and I are going to be in the audience absolutely living it up for every Maybe single Maybe I'm going to have to come to Melbourne and we can go and see it in Melbourne together. <laughs> this is a great idea. <laughs> well, you guys, thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much, Gareth, for joining us for our final deep dive of the year. It is always an absolute, absolute pleasure to have you on chat and shit with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a thrill. Well, you guys, until next year, for the deep dives at least, you've still got two more episodes for this year. But uh, until next time, stay happy, healthy and safe and we will see you then. Bye. 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 Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.